in this episode, we have a listener who emailed us, Frank from California. He's coming on. He actually has a, actually, uh, I've looked at his Facebook page and uh, he's got a really, really nice uh, layout set up out there. Um, we just kind of chit chat about just a little bit of everything model railroading and gives you a, well, you know, a couple model railroaders just chit chatting, uh, another, another nice different aspect on things. And, um, so yeah, stick around because we are going to get this show on the tracks. Yes, we are. Well, here we are, episode 39. Uh, very excited about it. This is the second one of 2024. Um, glad you all are listening and still with us. Um, we actually have a special episode here. We had Frank, who is from California. He emailed us oh several weeks back, and we've been in contact. And of course, you know, with the holidays, it's it's sometimes difficult to get things connected together and but we have frank with us and he is uh he's here to help us work on the podcast so frank welcome well thanks gary appreciate it so frank why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself okay uh well uh my name is frank kenny i live in a suburb of los angeles called torrance um i've lived here most of my life um, I've been, well, my, my parents, if they were around would tell you, I've been interested in trains the second I popped out of the womb. So it's been a long time <laughs> and I've been in the hobby pretty much since I was, uh, let's see, since I think it was probably about 1972, 1973, something like that. And, um, I got started actually at N-Scale. We, there was a hobby shop that was nearby our house then. And, and uh, my mom asked the owner if he knew anybody could help with trains. And I was introduced to still a good friend of mine, Chuck Short. And he's with Belmont Shore Model Railroad Club over here in the L.A. area. Mm -hmm. um, and really, the rest is history. But he introduced me into trains. I got involved a bit with Ben Davis uh, back then on N-Track and all of that. Of course, I was just a kid. So wasn't I wasn't like a big mover and shaker in Intrek or anything right. like that. I was just around when it was happening. Sure. Um, and then uh, N-Scale, I had a, a layout. I built a layout when I was a teenager in the garage, then, you know, did life and moved around and all that sort of thing. I've been in this house since 98 and um, immediately started building layout. Uh, so right now I have a, still an N-Scale layout. Uh, it's double deck. It's uh, just under 500 square feet. It's a bedroom and, and a two-car garage. Um, helix between the levels. Oh, sweet. And I model, yeah, and I model uh, between Mojave and Fresno. Uh, I was doing modern until about 2019. A good friend of mine, Mike Stoner, said, you know, he, I keep saying I'm going to backdate, I'm going to backdate, I'm going to backdate. And he sent me a little note and says, okay, you're officially backdating now. <laughs> and uh, in 2019, I just bit the bullet and sold off all the modern stuff and uh, acquired 
what I have now, which is uh, 1978. And that was the time when I spent a lot of time in Tehachapi and around LA and all of that into trains. And sure. I was just a trainaholic. Right. I still am, I guess. <laughs> and um, uh, now I'm 1978. And I'm so glad that I made that switch. Thanks for the push, Mike. Um, <laughs> I'm just so glad that I made that switch because it's more of what I really like a lot more, sure. you know, so and that's you know and that's the thing in this hobby and i keep that's why i press so hard to people um is you know it's your railroad you know if uh model what you like don't feel the pressure and i'm not necessarily saying like you but you wanted to backdate and you know and that kind of thing but you know don't let anybody tell you okay well you need a model modern or you need a model you know pre-war or whatever you know model what you like yeah i you know modeling modern was kind of cool because as the the manufacturers came out with newer stuff and they got oh cool i gotta have that i gotta have that I, it wasn't always one of anything it was like more like three or four of everything <laughs> right and uh yeah and then and then i don't know i think it was just a bit overwhelming thinking oh crud i gotta like sell everything and then rebuy everything and it was just overwhelming sure and uh you know thank god for friends in this hobby that you know they listen to what you're saying and they help you along the way and they give you encouragement mm -hmm. you know sometimes it can be tough love sometimes not you know i mean um you know now i'm trying to get mike to back date a little bit too but uh, that's another story another day <laughs> but um yeah it, it, it was a challenging question and you know the railroad was all labeled and built for modern you know bnsf up and everything oh, okay. but i had to go through and literally change everything um to sp and santa fe and for both mike and i santa fe is our favorite so we're heavy on that sure and um yeah so honestly it wasn't as overwhelming as it appeared to be so like you said if it's something you want to do do it because it's going to nag you forever um, there's a part of my railroad that was always nagging me forever too. It's literally 32 feet of the railroad. Mm -hmm. And, um, I kept telling same Mike kept saying, you know, this is annoying, this annoying, this annoying. And, you know, one day or one time he was out here, he lives in Arizona. He was out here and he's like, all right, well, what else do you want to do? We finished a few projects. I said, well, this is really annoying me, but we only have one day, so I don't think we'll have enough time. He says, oh, hell with that. Let's get started. And we tore out 32 feet of railroad, oh, everything. Wow. And uh, quickly rebuilt the structure mm -hmm. back. And then, you know, he had to leave the next morning. And I just finished the track work and the wiring and everything else. And I built what I wanted. And I'm so happy that I did. It's just a daunting project and it seems overwhelming. But at the end of the day, I was very happy that I had done that change. And sure. thank goodness for Mike to help me do it. So in your opinion on this, do you, do you think there it's harder to build a railroad from the beginning? You know, like building like we are, and I'm not talking and not cutting down, but I'm not talking like, you know, you're four by eight, but like we are like, I'm building around the walls and stuff like that. Um, and I've seen pictures of yours on Facebook. Um, do you think it's easier to build from the very beginning or to tear out and rebuild a section? 
Hmm. I don't know if those really even, if that would even be a choice, you know what I mean? Right. Um, when you're, when you're building, you know, I think a lot of people get stuck in what do I build? Mm-hmm. How do I build? Where do I build? What's involved? You know, just start drawing black track plans. I remember when I was a kid sitting in school and I had just tons of track plans I drew sure. sitting at my desk. You know, I wasn't even listening to what was <laughs> going on in the class. Right. It was track plan heaven. You know what I mean? I still have those somewhere here. It's like <laughs> all these track plans, which were just nothing but spaghetti, but you know, the point is I was thinking about it uh-huh. and then you just, you just get a plan, start building. You know what? I, since I made that switch in 2019, any part of my road is up for grabs in terms of changing it out. Sure. Um, you know, I, you may have seen on Instagram or Facebook where I was adding scenery to a particular area and I put in these hills. Yep. But then it was it comes around a corner right in between Mojave and Tatchby, and it comes around a corner at the end of an aisle. And I always have loved watching the train go up and down. That's on a grade, mm-hmm. go up and down around the corner there, and it was, it was awesome. And so when I built these hills, I was like, well, that's going to block the train. I'm not going to be able to see that view anymore. So the very next day after I built the hills, I tore the hills out and made everything flat. And not not flat. I mean, it's desert, but right. it's not like rolling flat, flat, hills. But there's not no hills huge. to block the trains. Yeah. Now I can still have that view, and now I have scenery around it. And during the holidays here, I've been finishing up that scenery and and working on all of that. It's just if you don't like something, change it. Exactly. You know, it's simple to change, especially scenery. Mm-hmm. You know, track work's a little more difficult, especially when you get turnouts and turnout controls and things like that. And but scenery, that's easy. That, that's always up for grabs. Oh yeah. So I have a. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I have an area where I do have Tatchby Loop here, but I have an area. It's like a whole aisle's worth where there's a backdrop there, and mm-hmm. um, trying to maybe twenty foot backdrop. Uh, in length I painted all of that and I'm not a painter so it's my painting but (laughs) I painted all of that and got all the way around to like the last six inches of it and screwed up oh no I was like oh crud how am I gonna fix this and you know I'm not using like standard colors I'm mixing colors and things like that so to mix it to match Mm -hmm. is not easy um so I went all the way around and at that time there were a lot of fires in California Seems oh, like there always are, but yeah. there were fires in California. So I went around and and it was I repainted that whole thing, and again got around to like six inches, six inches before the end and screwed up again. And I'm like, I am not doing this a third time. <laughs> so I simply painted some of the scenery black and put some black in the background on the hills where they are, so it looks like hey, there's a fire here. Sure. There was a fire here. Well, I was like, I'm, I just wasn't going to paint it a third time. There adapt no and jam. overcome. That's right. Yeah. So is it, I would say it's safe to say your favorite scale is N scale then, correct? Yeah. My favorite scale is N scale. If I have a favorite scale, trains are trains. And, you know, some of my friends, they've all moved to HO because we're all getting older and it's easier to see. Um, But I'm, unless I move, which I have no plans to move, unless I move, I'm just sticking with the same layout. Sure. Um, it's a big layout. I started building it 25 years ago. Um, 
it's a lot. It's a lot, and there's maintenance and all of that. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, if I moved, I probably would switch to HO simply because it's a little bit bigger, but I would also reduce the size of the railroad. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's a lot of maintenance, and I just want to build it and play. I right. like doing operating sessions. I, we operate over here about every other month, um, a group of guys and I, and there's HO guys and N-scale guys and whoever wants to operate. Um, but unless I move, I'm not tearing anything out. Sure. And end scale in the early days. Yeah, it was, it was tough in the early days when I was <laughs> yeah. a teenager and all of that, but it's improved dramatically End scale is wonderful. There's a lot of benefits to end scale, uh, in terms of like what you can put into a space, the scenery, uh, relative to the size of the trains, there's a lot to it. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I do like N scale. No, I don't have any issues with it other than sometimes numbers are small when we do operations, but to get around that, I created four different trains mm-hmm. that run on the railroad that I behind the scenes call unreadable numbers. So if there's a car with a number that's just too small to read, or I have too much weathering on it or something like that. Uh-huh. It just goes on to the unreadable train. And that train basically runs from staging to staging. Oh, okay. So it's, it's over the road stuff. Yeah. It's like a roof, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I did. In fact, I think I did an episode. All right. I, I know I did. I don't remember what episode without looking. Um, Cause when I first got back into this here at, uh, well, the beginning of 2023 um, I've been, uh, HO mainly HO, but I've done some smaller end scale layouts. And, uh, with my old railroad about 10, 15 years ago, I was actually, uh, collecting stuff to do an outdoor G scale. But, uh, when I got back into this, I'm like, all right, you know, I know HO that's my thing. And after I started buying some, and, um, once I got, uh, the, the boss, you know, the boss lady, my girlfriend to, you know, once she allotted me so much of the basement, I'm like, well, I started buying this at HO scale, maybe I had to do N and then I started looking into it and I'm like, you know, I don't know. I'm going to stick with HO because like you said, I mean, I, I'm getting older and, and I know I, you know, I, the modeling, yes, you can get more in, but I don't want that frustration. So that's where like I, to overcome that as I, I'm not. I'm not saying I'm not a fan of double deck railroads, but I really never wanted one. But I'm like at the point where I'm doing HO, I'm going to have to do a double deck to get the operations I want. So I, I understand what you're saying about the size thing. So, yeah, uh, you know, a lot of the magazines show these big, awesome layouts and things like that. And you don't need to have something big. Mm-hmm. You just need to make yourself happy for now. Yeah. You can sell it off, give it away or throw it away or whatever you want to do with it later and rebuild something else. Right. Point is, you know, do what you want to do and just just get started. If you don't know where to start, shoot, man, there's plenty of places where you can connect with people. And I mean, shoot, uh, about the last half of this year, 2023, I have been like a big fan of YouTube and I started watching a lot of youtube videos now some of the youtube videos are uh, you know i'll be asleep in two minutes You're right. and you know some of the other ones i don't care if you just got a package in the mail and you want to open it up and show me all the packaging material i don't care about any of that right um what i do want to see is your railroad or how you did whatever 
or your weathering and how you're doing that. I like the how-to stuff that gets to the point mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, isn't going to waste my time. Right. Um, so I've really dived into a lot of that and that's very helpful. Although if you can connect with real people in person or even over the phone, you'll get a lot more value out of that. And, um, you know, I recommend that you do that. You don't necessarily have to join a club, but if that's your thing, join a club and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, go that route. But well, there are plenty of model railroaders around most of us in the country mm-hmm. that you can actually access and say, hey, how did you do that? How did you do this? Yep. And it works. And that's, and that's what we try to promote here, you know, with, uh, with this podcast and our productions, you know, even our YouTube and TikTok channels, um, trying to show updates of the railroad. Um, I haven't done them for a while, but the holidays, uh, kind of, uh, put a pause to that, but you know, with me building my railroad, I'm, I'm going to start up, you know, doing more YouTube videos of showing the every dot, everyday guy way of how I build my bench work or lay track, that kind of thing. But also, you know, if you're new in the hobby, you know, um, that's why we started our free website. You know, it's got forums and stuff like that to connect. I don't care if you're brand new or just looking at getting a hobby or you've been in forever. You know, it's it's a way for everybody to connect and come together, you know. Yeah. So. All right. So I your railroad um, and I'm sure you'll I, I want you, I'd like for you to tell us a little bit about your railroad. Um, I guess let's start. Is it a freelance prototype or is it like a proto freelance kind of thing? Yeah. Um, I would say it's proto freelance. Okay. You know, some, some people get all stuck on, like, it's not exactly like the railroad did it. Well, neither is the scale, neither is your coupler, neither is a lot of other things. So, you know, I'm just here to enjoy my model railroad and model trains in general. Yep. So I, I model, like I said, from Mojave to Fresno. It's not exactly like Mojave to Fresno. It's what I wanted to put in and what I could put in and in the space and how I wanted to operate. Sure. So um, it's, it's run that way. Yes, I used real town names or real city names. Um, but if you go to that city, my track plan doesn't follow their track plan, but that's okay. That's, that's what I want. So mm-hmm. like I, we were talking earlier, build what you want yep. and make it happy for you and people will come, uh, to operate. And speaking of operations, uh, like I said, we do it about every month and, uh, railroad shut down right now cause I'm doing scenery and ballasting, but, mm-hmm. uh, my next operating session is February 10th i think it is um so i use jeremy for operations and jeremy uh prints out uh, the manifest uh, each train operator gets a manifest there's two people in the yard they get you know the switch list for everything for the yard mm-hmm. and then there's a couple local switching areas there's switch list for those as well and um usually have between seven and eight people um maybe more sometimes less uh, that come to operate. Uh, we have telephones around the railroad, which you can call the dispatcher. Dispatcher's out in another room of the house. Oh, okay. um, and they're on a panel, uh, a track panel, when it shows where the trains. So I have detection and all that stuff. So shows what's occupied, what's not occupied. Um, a lot of times, though, we do dispatching through a friend of mine, Dennis Drury. He's up in the Reno area. Mm-hmm. And so he operates from Reno. 
Oh, really? Uh, uh, sorry, he dispatches from Reno and uh, just dials right in. And if any of the crew needs to reach him, we got cell phones. We just call him. And, oh, that's uh, cool. you know, so he can give permission that way. And, uh, you know, it, it works really well. And um, we enjoy doing that. Actually, it's a lot of fun. Wow. That's uh, actually, that you said that's interesting because um, I know you and I've talked about a little bit before we started recording this, but, uh, and we'll probably talk about this a little bit after uh, in the second half, but um, operation beyond the basement, like virtual operation. Um, I never thought about that, you know, having somebody else somewhere else to do the dispatching or, you know what I mean? That that's actually a cool concept that could be added to, in a sense, the virtual interchange, you know? Yeah, it's great. And he pulls up my Jeremiah panel on his computer and he just simply, you know, instructs uh, train crews from there. Wow. And he can see all the train activity on his screens up, up and where you can be anywhere in the world. It's all the internet, right? Right. Um, and, uh, you know, he can see everything and he throws the turnouts. He does all of that. We're in the process of, <laughs> it's been a long process, but <laughs> Uh, trying to get signaling on uh-huh. and um, uh, choosing a signal is difficult. I'm using Jer- um, Digitrax for that, but uh, choosing the signals has been a challenge. Sure. Sure. Well, I'm, I tell you what, I'm probably going to be uh, bugging you a lot because I'm Digitrax as well. And I may, I, I don't know yet. I know I'm going to, uh, I decided instead of doing manual throw for my turnouts switches, I'm actually going to the quarter switch machines and I'm thinking about hooking those up through Digitrex. So I'm probably going to be bugging you for some guidance on that. Now you're going to rely on my memory from like 10 years ago. Good luck. <laughs> well, it's better than my memory <laughs> of never doing that, you know, so at least connecting. It's not that hard. Right. Look, I'm not an electronics guy by any stretch. I mean, yeah, I've taken electronics classes and it might as well be Chinese. Yeah. I can't, I cannot figure that stuff out at all. So if you're, if you are a listener and you're like, I don't know anything about electronics, don't worry. You can do it. Just follow the instructions, do it, you know, one by one, one wire by one wire test as you go, don't yep. wire everything up and then go, Oh no, it doesn't work. You'll never find where it doesn't work. Um, just test every step of the way as you go. And that's how I did it. And make sure your wiring is really uh, kind of neat. Yes. I know that sounds kind of weird, but if you look at other people's neat wiring, you'll understand what I mean. Um, that's really key to trying to track down a problem. Mm-hmm. But seriously, I, the one thing I can give you out of electricity would be test as you go. That's That's gold right there. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. So wiring all that up, you know, detectors and everything to control the turnouts and all this sort of thing. It, it's it's pretty straightforward. I mean, once you do one, you're like, oh, this is easy. It's just right. time consuming or boring. And, it, and it's getting that initial one done, you know, is what it is. And yeah. Once you do that. Of like, oh, no. Yeah. But I mean. I I'm good at wiring and and I know we talked about this in one of our very, one of our few first episodes wiring, but you, you touched on a point there. That's very, very valid. Whether you're doing bus wiring or you're just doing direct, what I call direct wiring, where you're going straight from the power pack to the tracks, whatever 
any kind of wiring. I could not agree anymore. Keep it clean, keep it organized, um, you know, uh, keep them labeled. Like I use uh, those paper address labels, th those little ones you can type somebody's name out and put it on an envelope. I'll print off a whole bunch of those for like my uh, bus A, bus B, and then my auxiliary power A, auxiliary power B. And I've got those under my layout all the way around to where, even though I know, but what if somebody wants to come over and help me work on the railroad? Well, how are they going to know what's, you know, so it's, it's very, you touched on that. Yes. Organize and, um, test as you go. Absolutely. Yeah. The second best tip would be along the lines of what you just said, keep a record of what you did. Yes. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, real elaborate, but just keep a record of what you did. And the third thing would be to, yeah, put labels on stuff down below. I did put labels on things, but I didn't put labels on things I wouldn't need labels on. Mm -hmm. And then when there's a problem, it's like, damn, I wish I'd have put a label on that. <laughs> right. And then I go back when I have a problem, I go back and, you know, start putting labels on where I'm addressing the issue. Sure. I'm not going back and labeling everything, but right. you know, as something comes up, then I'll, it, it just makes things a lot easier. It's still a little bit daunting, you know, trying to fix an electrical problem because it's not standing there waving its arms at you. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, Mr. Joe Blow electric electrician would probably say, yes, it does, <laughs> but I'm not seeing them waving my arms at me yet. But right. um, yeah, so just do it neat. Keep track of what you did. In other words, create a little manual or document and uh, label it. That's that's some good, uh, definitely some good advice. And in fact, one piece of that I need to actually still do while I'm still fairly or not done with my uh, bottom layer yet is I need to sit down and draw up uh, actual schematic of mine. I haven't done that yet because I when I build my track work, I kind of come up with an idea and I look at other drawings to get ideas for places but i'm one of those that it just doesn't click for me to go from drawing to board you yeah. know and for me it's just easier okay lay this out okay is this you know drawing curves and stuff i still use the the ruler that kind of thing to get you know your radius but um but yeah i i i need to come up with a schematic not only for the track plan but for the wiring because yeah. I know someday it's going to come back to, to bite me if I don't. So, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, another thing you might want to do is make some notes. Like, you know, you might have a 40 foot wire, right? And mm -hmm. it winds through underneath the railroad somewhere. Um, you know, maybe make a note hey, I wound this around under this part of the layout and it comes out over here and all that sort of thing. So you sure. don't have to track everything down, but labeling as you go, I got a pad. I don't know where I found it years ago. It's like a pad. It's an electrician's pad. Mm -hmm. It's a little pad and it has little stickies on it, little sticky numbers and, and letters. And they're about, I don't know, maybe quarter inch by quarter inch. And so, you know, when you do like, you know, you do a number, a wire, let's say, mm -hmm. and you just put those little stickies on that wire and you can do it in several places. So you always have that number flowing through all along the way to the sure. end, from the beginning to the end. That's really helpful. And it's an electrician's labeling pad, or mm -hmm. I don't know what you call it, but you probably get that at an electronic store. Um, really easy to use, obviously. Right. 
you know, jumping back to what you said uh, about double decks, um, you said, you know, you're not the biggest fan of double deck. I'm not the biggest fan of double deck either, um, nor, and I have a Helix, and I'd prefer not to have a Helix, right. but you got to do what you got to do. Sometimes yep. you just have to make exceptions to that. And the reason I wanted a double deck railroad is because, you know, I wanted people to come over and operate the layout. And I realized that some people just love to run long trains with no switching and other people love switching. Mm -hmm. So what I did is I put um, all the switching on the lower level and the not so much switching on the upper level. Sure. Um, so that you have longer runs on the upper level through the mountains, basically. So I have the mountains up on the upper level, the valley, central valley of California from Bakersfield to Fresno is on the lower level. Mm -hmm. um, there is switching on the upper level, but it's a lot of scenery up there versus down below where it's a lot of industry and all of that. So right. I get the best of both in the space that I have. And so if somebody's like, look, I don't want to do switching. I just want to run trains. You can run on the upper and lower level altogether, mm -hmm. but I can give you a train that just runs and you can watch your train winding around through the mountains and then through the valley. Uh, but if you like switching, then great. I've got certain areas on the railroad that is just switching or I have specific trains that are only switching. Um, uh, and I can give you one of those, you know what I mean? Sure. And then I have trains that are real difficult to operate and I have trains that are real easy to operate. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you're, you know, intimidated and you're just, this your first op session and you're scared to death that you're going to ruin it or something like that, I give you an easy train and you can just go play and have fun, you know, as long as you want. Sure. So you got to think of in the future, not only for yourself, build what you want, right? Mm -hmm. um, but think of if you want people to come over, what do they want? Right. What are you going to build for them to come and want to come here? You know, if you want to have a guy who wants to do switching and and you create the Northeast Corridor, they're not going to be real excited about running a bunch of passenger trains back and forth on the Northeast Corridor. Right. And vice versa. Yep. You know, so... So kind of think about who your audience is going to be or who your team players are going to be. Sure. Well, we will re continue this discussion after we take a break. So stick around and we'll be back shortly. Join the model railroad revolution. Go on over to patreon.com forward slash model railroad talk and become a premium supporter by becoming a premium supporter you get added benefits such as an exclusive private facebook group live videos while we record access to the latest episode before anyone else and more your support helps us continue to grow and support the model railroad revolution go on over to patreon.com that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash model railroad talk to become a premium member today if you like our podcast check out our videos on youtube and tiktok we have a variety of videos for you to enjoy along with live videos as well head on over to youtube or tiktok and find us under model railroad talk today Do you have a model railroad business or does someone you know have one? Could they benefit from affordable advertising? Reach out to us at modelrailroadtalk at gmail.com. 
We have very affordable plans for those wanting to tell the Model Roro community about their products. With over 15,000 impressions and over 1,500 listens a month on our podcast, you can easily get your name out there. So reach out to us to get started today. We are back. We have Frank here from California, a listener, and just kind of, we're just kind of chit-chatting about trains and uh, what he's building and all that stuff. So we're going to go ahead and continue on with this. Um, We were just ending last, or the first part of this, um, talking about his railroad and how he does, uh, he's got trains for certain kind of people. Um, was there anything else you wanted to add on that before we went to break? No, I think that's uh, that pretty much said it. Okay. Yeah, just uh, basically kind of recap. Uh, you, you've got different kinds of trains for, you know, you can set up your railroad for different kinds of, or I should say for people who like different kinds of operation, whether it's just um, – scenicing or you know uh, rail fanning the the train or actually switching or if you're new to switching or operation he's got easy switching for you and that kind of thing so um yeah in jeremiah i have well i probably have a total of about 80 different trains i could run but mm-hmm. for a session we, we i usually you know are down to about 35 different trains mm-hmm. some of them are through trains which i mentioned earlier some of them uh you know they'll have like unreadable numbers on some of those uh some are through trains that do a little bit of switching throughout its route uh others you know may be in a specific area of the railroad just doing switching there Mm -hmm. um you know there's a whole just like a real railroad there's a whole variable group of trains um, to each their own and i but when i was designing the railroad and thinking about what trains i was thinking about i want to have something for all types of operators or most of them anyway we're not running a seller or anything like that but i wanted to have some flexibility for people to be able to come over and feel like they're you know they could run here right Uh, that's my big thing is i just want to have a railroad that people enjoy coming to uh, does that mean Murphy never shows up? No, Murphy <laughs> right. lives here. He's got <laughs> he's got a bedroom and a garage to live in. Yeah, but Murphy pops up. I mean, there's been times where I've got an operating session and everybody's gonna be here in a half an hour and turn the system on and nothing works. It's just, there's a short somewhere. I'm like, how could there possibly be a short? I was just you know mm-hmm. it was just on last night or whatever. It's the weirdest thing. There there was a time when. And we joke about it to this day. It probably goes back about eight or 10 years. Um, nothing was working. And everybody's on their way here. Literally, it was 15 minutes before people are supposed to arrive. And I just was like, well, I guess we're going to go see the real trains this time. We're, <laughs> we're not going to operate here. So I shut the system down. A few people showed up, told them what happened. And they're like, well, let's just go see if we can fix it. Turn the system on. Works fine. Yeah. Like, okay whatever so you know there those murphy's always going to be around if you have a railroad or you're planning a railroad or want to plan one don't worry you're going to have murphy show up it's just a given so be ready mm-hmm. and and you can have a contingency plan and all of your friends are all modern railroaders it all happens to them they all get it they all go through the same thing some people i see when you know poop hits the fan on their railroad 
you know, they're literally throwing stuff across the room or angry with themselves or everybody else. That's not the way to do it. We all have those things. Right. Like if the railroad decides it's going to take a dump and it just isn't going to work halfway through the session or even in the beginning, then it does. Yep. You know, move on. Your friends are happy to help you try and figure it out. You just have to calm down and and uh, figure it out. And if you can't, that's fine. Then, you know, shoot the ball or go sit mm-hmm. outside and enjoy, you know, camaraderie. And it's funny Talk you, about what everybody's doing. Right. Know? It's funny you bring that up because I actually had an instant here uh, a couple weeks or last week or over Christmas. I'm getting the railroad set up before the week before Christmas. and mind you mine has yes it's got a continuous loop which i have it it's set up to where i can run a train around right now um so if somebody wants to come over and rail fan but it's also i have that continuous loop built in for operation as well but i was getting everything set up getting you know okay i got some new locomotives trying to get them broke in and i have them running around tied you know consisted together pulling cars and everything I'm and I'm doing other things at my bench work. And I mean, these are just running around in circle. I can't tell you, they probably ran around for half hour, 40 minutes, shut her down. Didn't do anything. Literally parked it in the yard, the train in the yard, didn't do anything. Come home the next day, turn it on and go to run it around. And after about three laps, yes, the uh, locomotive kept at one spot, kept popping a wheels off in, on one of the trucks. And I'm like, <laughs> it just ran for like 50 laps in a row last night, not a problem. And, you know, but there again, like you said, Murphy's law, things happen, you know, and, and while, yes, it was frustrating. It ended up being, um, I, I can't even tell you because I shut it off and next day I come back and it was fine. So I, I really don't know if maybe the temperature changed and track flexed or something, but, um, but yeah, you, your point, you're right on point there. If you're new or coming into this hobby, you're going to have that you no matter how in your mind perfect that you or in your ability to perfectly you can lay track or install a decoder or do scenery something at some point is always going to come up and this hobby is not for the i don't want to say weak of heart but if if you're not able to adapt and overcome you're probably i hate to say it but you're not probably going to enjoy this hobby it's one of those hobbies that you've got to be able to, okay, here's a problem. How can I overcome this? You know? Yeah. There's always going to be things you mentioned expansion. Um, you know, I, there's been a few times where, you know, we come to operate the railroad or I go to do something and there's a short, I'm like, how could there be a short? There's not even a train on that track. Mm -hmm. And my, my railroads all divided up for detection. So it's, relatively easy to go figure something out so when i have that happen now my lesson is that uh, and i use atlas turnouts and it could probably be any manufacturer turnouts but there's the atlas turnouts sometimes are a bit the rail is a bit loose or something and when there's an expansion on the rail it may push that so where the the gap is Mm -hmm. built into the turnout for the frog that may be touching Oh, okay. and there could be no train on my railroad or, or that section of railroad, but there's a, there's a short. Mm-hmm. So now when that happens, the first thing I go look at and make sure there's no, 
you know, issues with the turnouts and the gaps being closed. And uh, where I've cut gaps, I've put in styrene, but I haven't done that on the turnouts. I shouldn't have to. Right. But, you know, there's other things that happen. And, you know, like I mentioned, detection. All my cars have resistors on them so we can see it in the computer. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, maybe I didn't put a resistor on properly and now it's just deciding it wants to um, start a short. Mm -hmm. Uh, So... You know, I've had that happen where I have to, on this particular track, take every car off one by one to see if it's one of the cars in there. Or, you know, like like you pointed out, it could just be anything. Right. You know. Yeah. So it's dirty track, and of course, and you got that. Yep. And uh, there's just a lot of things that can happen. There's a lot going on. It's a big system. Um, And you can have a wiring problem, God forbid. You know, you got to go down underneath the layout and go figure Mm -hmm. that out. so, but all in all, at the end of the day, as they say, model railroading is fun and I do thoroughly enjoy it. Um, and even with its hangups and all of that sort of thing, you just keep moving along, keep plugging away, yep. have a goal, keep exactly. going. Well, and on the, and on the electoral side too, and I, this, when I say this, this isn't meant to scare anybody that's either coming into the hobby or thinking of switching from DC over to DCC. But a lot of these manufacturers, they try to make it, you know, and Digitrax, NCE, uh, uh, Bachman, all, they all do it. Uh, well, come over to the DCC side and your trains are going to run better and this and that. And it's, it's going to be, yes. So yes, when you go to DCC, you're going to get a lot more options and everything, but, what I try to tell people when they ask me about it is it's not going to fix fix. If you're having an issue with a locomotive or a track on DC, it's not going to fix that. And, 100%. and, and actually if anything, DCC can almost amplify problems with track, you know, more than you ever noticed with DC. And, and, but if you, there again, adapt and overcome, that's one of them, you know, Murphy's law things that, you know what, if you might be able to switch over and not have any problems, but then down the road, you're going to have issues at some point and you're just going to have to learn to figure out. So, um, that's with us talking, you know, DCC, I just, I like to always, I guess, reiterate that to people is not to scare them away, but realize that it, going to DCC, it's not like a huge undertaking or anything, but it does require a little bit more, um, attention to keep it running and running properly so like you said enjoy the hobby you know rather than get frustrated and i'm putting this thing away you know yeah and i don't know if i would agree that it needs more attention it's just a different control system that's it and it actually is much better than regular dcc and especially when you're doing operating sessions oh yeah um, you know an analogy would be you have a light bulb that flickers. Okay, maybe it's going out or something like that. You take it out of the socket and put it into another light socket and it still flickers, right? It's mm-hmm. not going to not flicker. Right. It's the light bulb that's the problem. It's not the socket. So, um, you know, just, just uh, I love DCC. So oh, I do too. Back in, yeah, back in 1994 um, was when I first bought my, uh, first Digitrax DCC system. Uh, and I bought Digitrax because 
uh, well, NCE is popular now too, but NCE wasn't popular then. Digitrax was the leader. Mm-hmm. And I chose Digitrax because Digitrax had been in business already and selling product and all of that. And they had support and all that sort of thing. And they still do. So a DCC system is not something you go, oh, you know, uh, next year I'm going to get a XYZ system. Right. You know, you just don't switch systems. Uh, you get a system and you use it. Mm-hmm. They all have their quirks. They all have their issues. Uh, usually if there's an issue, it's not necessarily the DCC system. It's your railroad. Yeah. And just like everybody's different, every railroad's just as different. There's as many versions of a railroad as there are many versions of people. Yep. So, um, in fact, I tried to switch to duplex so digitrax was originally originally called simplex and then they came out with duplex mm-hmm. i don't know how many years ago eight or ten and uh i was like oh cool that would be neat because then you can do like like there's literally one feature on it that i would care about um of the duplex and that is being able to select a locomotive or deselect locomotive when you're not plugged in right that was it so i thought oh i'll do that i'll i'll go to duplex I could not get duplex to operate on my railroad. It caused more problems than not. Really? I had DCC pe- people who knew what they're doing in DCC. If I didn't, um, I had Digitrax trying to solve it. No one could solve the problem. It's my railroad. It's something on my railroad that's causing the problem. And to me, it was easier just to not switch to, to duplex than it was to switch. Mm-hmm. And the only benefit, as I mentioned, was to be able to select a locomotive without plugging in. Right. Who cares? At the end of the day, I'm not going to ruin my day and my railroad just because I can't do that one function. Right. So I am, I'm still on simplex and I don't plan on changing that. Yeah. I know that's but, the one yeah. thing that like when I started mine was uh, I looked into that. I mean, I think all the systems now are duplex compatible, but I'm like, I, I started with the big duplex system and from my old system, which was Digitrax. Yes, it is nice, but you know, it's, I agree with you. It's not something that, you know what, I'm screw this. I'm, I'm, I, since I can't switch, I'm switching to a different system. It's not worth it. Yeah. It's a simple plug-in, select your loco. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, not worth yeah, it. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, what just popped in my head was I selected, selected a DCC system. Like I would select a car, you know, yeah. I want a car that's safe. I want a car that has support. I want a car that has history of you know running for a long time right uh, you know i don't want something that's going to fall apart in five years yep you know i selected my system based on those factors and i had friends that also had dcc or were just it was just getting started back in the mid 90s so i had friends that were going down that road too but at the end of the day it was really like can i get support from this company have they been selling product is there good reviews? You're always going to have bad reviews. So, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. who cares? But um, is there generally overall good reviews? You know, you can go to a restaurant and they'll have, you know, bad reviews and everybody loves the place. Yeah. So, you know, select on those reasons. And one big reason, which is probably a good reason to use these days since DCC has been around a while, is do you have people who are around you that are using the same system as you. There are areas of the country where they're like all DCC 
oh, I'm sorry, all Digitrax or areas that are all NCE or areas right. that are all XYZ, whatever system, you know what I mean? Um, so if a majority of people around you that you, you play with uh, have a certain system, that might be, be the better route to go because mm-hmm. at least then you'll have support locally. Oh, I agree. Um, years ago, I was uh, in a model railroad club and I was building a small railroad or whatever in my basement. And I liked the Digitrax and I, I ended up joining the the model railroad club after I bought my starter system and stuff. And, and, you know, they used NCE. Well, after running, you know, they're like, well, if you want to buy your own throttle, you can use it here and this and that. Um, yes, it would have been nice to have my own throttle rather than, you know, worrying about dropping it, you know, cause it's the clubs. And then now I got to buy one for, you know, but you know, I, I preferred the Digitrax. I like their throttles, but on the flip side, yes, it would have been nice just to have my own throttle for the club because I could set the throttle up how I wanted for me. So yes, if you are in an area, like you said, where it's predominant NCE or, and, uh, what is, a uh, MRC and Digitrax or whatever it may be, you may, that that's a good point. That might be better. Just kind of look at, you know, check with the clubs, check with the hobby shop and see what they've been selling in that area that might be the best way to go because not only are you going to be able to get the you know be able to find the friends or whatever but also you're going to have more support from people that maybe you know have done the trial and error yeah and they can teach you and you'll have somebody in front of you teaching you versus you try to read a manual or watching a video or something like that i think it's tcs train control systems i think tcs has a universal throttle that will operate on various systems so yeah if you you know you have friends or clubs or whatever near you that use very various systems um check into one of those uh throttles where you can operate it on different systems and that way you don't have to have you know four different manufacturer throttles you can just have one right save you some money yeah but there again on your road when it comes to your railroad though if you like a specific system you know like like frank and i we both prefer digitrax but you may be an nc person well you know use what you like in the end yeah and like i said i'm not switching systems um so i don't even know what's offered by other manufacturers and there's probably a handful of them um and i don't even care because i'm not switching it's not so it's like i have a car i'm not looking to buy another one why would i look at cars you know what i mean right right yep and and that's you know i well for this podcast i'm always looking to see if there's anything major that comes out you know but it but there again it's not because i want to switch it's it's for a different you know deal but but yeah, I mean, I, my Digitrack system I've got, I love it. I'm not, the only thing I want to change about it is I need to get a few more, um, the UT6 throttles, but you know, that's, that's the railroad. That's not changing the system, you know? Yeah. So you just need a second job. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's a hobby. you got to have a second job for the hobby. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So why don't you tell us, uh, we've got a few minutes left here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your, your plans with your, you, I think you were saying your friends in Arizona. Um, oh, okay. Give us a little bit about, uh, you guys were talking about, um, or you were talking to me about, 
uh, starting an interchange beyond the basement? No basements here, but um, yeah. So (laughs) for lack of a better term, (laughs) our railroads connect in Mojave. Um, So I, you know, I model basically on the west side of the Sierras and he models on the east side of the Sierras. Uh, so we connect in Mojave. So what we've been uh, talking about, he's still building his railroad, so we're not doing it just yet, but uh, is having cars interchange back and forth and we'll simply just mail them to each other. And uh, then he adds them on his railroad. They do whatever they do. And eventually they'll end up back down here or, you know, his will end up uh, back over to him. Mm-hmm. So that's something that we've talked about doing in the future. Uh I'm talking about Mike Stoner. He lives in Sedona, Arizona. Actually, I'm going to be out there in January. So um, I think uh, we might have to do an interview there so we can talk about his railroad there too. Um, One of the other things that I'm doing is um, we got the National Model Railroad Association Convention coming up here in August of 2024 in Long Beach. Mm -hmm. So my layout will be open for that. Uh, on layout tours and also on the the private tours. I'm not sure if I'm going to do an op session yet. <laughs> That's a bit stressful. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I, I bet. Especially I at a convention. Um, I haven't gotten down that road yet. But um, then also on uh, January 13th, we're doing what's called an N-scale yard sale. So through COVID, it was kind of hard to, you know, secure places to do, you know, yard, um, swap meets and things like that. And um, the local club has not been able to do that anymore for various reasons. And so I took it upon myself just to say, look, I want to sell stuff. Other people want to sell stuff. So, so we got our group together and we call it N-Scale Yard Sale, literally. <laughs> and there is a IO group for that, but this is N-Scale Yard Sale, literally. We are literally doing it in my front yard. This will be the third one. And um, it's very well attended and it'll be in Torrance, California on what I say, January 13th, uh-huh. um, from like nine to noon. After that, we have pizza. I open up the layout and that kind of thing. So people can come and see the layout and pizza will be provided. Um, also, if you care to check it out, I have Instagram and Facebook. Uh, Instagram is at CPRX. That's uh, Central Pacific Railway X of CPRX dot central pacific railway and then uh, facebook is central pacific railway hyphen cprx Uh, you can check things out there generally i post to instagram and let it flow over to uh, facebook um that's about all the time i got to do social media (laughs) crazy so they can can they reach out to you through those uh uh your your uh, railroad sites, I assume they can reach out to you if someone was interested in like your uh, 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 yard sale or get more information yeah. about the NMRA convention. 100%. And uh, you can put everything in the show notes, I suppose. And uh, my my email address as well is cprxmodelrr at gmail.com. Okay. Yep. Um, we will definitely get that in. Sorry, I'm writing some stuff down just so I can remember. Um, all right, so I'll give it to you. Oh, I know you will. <laughs> uh, anything else you'd like to add before we close this out? 
Is there anything else that you have a question about? I can't think of anything off my top of my head. Um, I guess just bottom line is just just do it. You know, just uh, make yourself happy. Create some time space for you. Oh, you know, through COVID. First of all, I'm a real estate agent, and I'm always busy. And through COVID, 2020, 2021, 22, it was unbelievably busy and so what i had to do was revise my whole work schedule because i could work 24 7 right especially mm -hmm. during that time it was oh, insane bet. so i revised my schedule so I, I have train time for me i can do it if i want um but i have train time i don't start work on saturday and sunday until one o'clock before that's all my time or train time or whatever I want mm -hmm. to do. And then I also had to build in at least one hour in the evening of every evening. I, this is all on my calendar, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that I would at least get something done, even in an hour, like, oh, I can't ballast the whole yard in an hour. <laughs> Who cares? Ballast the track. You right. know what I mean? Go do something. Just do something. And, and I'm sure you've probably heard this a hundred times. Like, just do something. Even if it is watching a YouTube video or doing research on something that you want to get to do. Maybe it's even research on your railroad, like just do something for an hour. It takes a couple of weeks or so to get into the habit of doing these things, you know, spend an hour to do something like you get home from work and like, Oh, I'm tired. Mm -hmm. Great. Then watch a YouTube video about something you're interested in weathering. I'm, I'm starting to get into weathering. I love some of these videos that I'm seeing on weathering. Um, but just do something. Yep. Uh, that's it. And, you know, maybe you don't have a railroad. Well, do something, do some research, do plan something and don't have to go, oh, in 2024, I'm going to do this big grandiose thing. Just go, what am I going to do between now and March 31st? Mm -hmm. All right. What am I going to do this month? What can I do this week? What can I do this weekend? Right. You know, I mean, just plan, even if it's an hour a day, just do something over time. You'll realize like how much that worked for you you've got a lot done and um way more than you would have sitting around pondering like i'd only have an hour you yeah. know something like that well and we and last episode that's i brought that up too is it doesn't matter if you're an armchair modeler or you're an active model or whatever or what what it doesn't matter what skill set you know you could always be doing something for the yep. hobby, you know, whether it's reading, researching, or, you know, maybe it's helping somebody else out. Maybe you, you're at yep. a point on your railroad, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm satisfied. I'm, you know, you can reach out and help somebody else out, whether you know them or you don't in forums and stuff. But I absolutely agree. You know, always, you can always be doing something for the railroad or your railroad or the hobby whether it's helping advance the hobby you know like the model model railroad revolution we talk about here or you yeah. know uh to help build your railroad and move forward and i'm i'm one of those i always like to be learning something so that's that's yeah. very very good I, i'm glad you brought that up and reiterate it they hear it from somebody else so so the listeners don't think i'm just full of you know crap they <laughs> you know <laughs> Well, you brought up a good point. Go help someone else. So my friend, Mike uh, uh, Stoner in Arizona, we go back and forth to each other's houses. Like mm -hmm. I'm going out there in January. I'll be there for a whole week. And uh, we're doing some operating session with a bunch of other 
guys that are coming in from around the country, but then I'll be there for the rest of the week. And so Mike and I are just going to bang a bunch of stuff out on his railroad. When he comes here, I mentioned earlier, we tore out 32 feet of railroad. He's helped me on so much stuff with my railroad. Right. He's actually a totally master at building turnouts. And mm -hmm. so I had a bunch of curved turnouts that uh, he hand built for me. Um, they were all, I used Pico because at that time Pico was the only one that had curved. So he came and he, he rebuilt all of those by hand. He's, you know, th when you have good buddies in this hobby, uh -huh. you can get a lot done and you have a lot more fun doing it. And a lot of times speaking of things is uh, when I'm working on the railroad, even when I'm by myself, I just turn on a podcast and listen to podcasts in the background. Yeah. It's so informative and helpful. And, and it's just, you know, you're, you feel like you're part of a community. You yeah. really do. Yeah. It's, 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 and, 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 you know, you, you talk to people outside the hobby and you say you're part of the world's greatest hobby and they look at you like, well, no, if you really sit down and if you were to break it down, this really is, you know, because of, yep. you know, not only the hobby itself, but the fellowship and the people in the hobby. Yeah. And, and a lot of people won't get started because they're like, well, I don't have saw. I yeah. don't know how to do bench work. I don't know how to lay the track. I don't know how to do whatever. That's why you want to reach out to people around you and have, you know, buddies that you can go, oh, I got a saw. I'll bring it over and we'll do whatever. Right. You know, or I can lay track. I love, personally, I love doing ballasting. Mm -hmm. And everybody I hear and talk to, they're like, oh, I hate ballasting. I don't know why, because for me, ballasting is very, it's just very peaceful. It's very, it's an art really. And I'm mm -hmm. not an artist by any stretch, but doing ballasting is calm and relaxing. I don't have to worry about like, oh gosh, this is going to short. I don't know where right. this wire goes or that wire goes, right. you know? And if I don't like my ballasting, I just, just rip it up yep. and you just start over, you know, exactly. it's easier, but ballasting I love. Yep. So. Well, that is it for another episode, folks. And um, we thank you for listening. And uh, remember, you can always check us out at modelrailroadtalk.com. You can reach out to us at email at uh, modelrailroadtalk at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, it was great to have Frank on. We're probably going to have him on again for sure great information here this is what this podcast is all about is helping learning and you know if you're like me you can learn a lot from listening to somebody else talk or even a couple different people talk so we really hope that you can gain from this and even if it's just to pass time you know so if you like what we're doing here Reach out to us on at patreon.com forward slash model railroad talk. You can become a premium uh, supporter there. And, you know, um, we, we really, really appreciate everything you guys do, your support and all that good stuff. So um, thank you, thank you, thank you. And until next time, keep your train on the tracks. Thank <laughs> you.